Hello, and welcome to Let Your Guard Down, a podcast with myself, Peter Corcoran, where I'll be joined each week by various guests to have an open discussion about that person's path and how they ended up where they are now, with an openness around adversity, difficulty and challenging times, as well as the more positive experiences along the way. Today, I'll be joined by Shane Supple, ex-professional footballer and Dublin GAA player, who provides valuable insight into the world of professional sport and the challenges that come with it, starting over again in life and the importance of walking away from something when it is no longer serving your best interests. A thoroughly interesting and very insightful discussion, Shane's story, life experiences and attitude to challenges he has faced will no doubt be of major help to many people. I hope you enjoy. Shane, really appreciate you coming in, taking a bit of time out of a ever busy schedule I know and uh, having a chat with me this evening, so how are you doing? How are you doing? Good, yeah, all good now, keeping well busy, looking forward to the Bowes game in Europe tomorrow night. <laughs> you Viva. Are you going in actually? Yeah? I'm actually doing a bit of work on it, yeah, I have to do the cold commentary um, oh, lovely. for the game. Um, the club have put together their own kind of um, stream and that. All right, um, yeah. So, yeah, they've asked me would I do the cold comms. So, yeah, looking forward to going in that now and getting back into it. What's the capacity actually in the event? It's 6,000 tomorrow night. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, so lads are happy with that. Like, I think they sold out quickly enough. Yeah, you know, Everyone's that's... desperate to get to a game, whether you're a uh, Bowes fan or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the Bowes fans are obviously desperate to get a, get to a game. And, you know, with, with Daily Mount the way it is at the moment, I think they've only been allowed 100, 200 kind of in. So, they've been doing it on a kind of uh, running through the the season ticket holders you yeah, know everybody gets to, yeah, yeah. before the end of the season so yeah it'd be great that everyone can, can get back in now and looks positive after the first leg finishing 1-1 so yeah I think the lads are optimistic they can get through tomorrow night yeah and I'd say, I'd say it'd be a good atmosphere even yeah. with 6,000 oh, the Bulls fans no <laughs> doubt well, yeah absolutely <laughs> um, so come here you know I know we've got a We'll, we'll touch on balls later on in yeah. the conversation uh, regards yourself as well but I suppose we'll, we'll strip it back yeah. to growing up um yeah, soccer. Was there any sort of preference, or was it did you, you played both? I know for a couple of years, and then was there the one kind of had preference yeah, over the other? Yeah, yeah. It was soccer. Was was first on the list. To be honest, that was the first place I went to down to Verona, my local club, and at six or seven years of age. And um, yeah, soccer was always the, always the one. Obviously, played both, enjoyed both immensely. Um, but soccer was the opportunity to kind of make a career really and do something yeah. you love doing so that's the kind of path I, I went down when I realised it might be a possibility around kind of 11, 12 years of age and there's a bit of interest and um, so yeah that's that's what I wanted to do once I realised that and wild horses wouldn't have stopped me yeah so like at that age you were you were dead set oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely was, was yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah that's it like you know most young lads playing playing the game and they're seeing you know what's going on on the te- telly and want to get across to the UK and be in that environment and um, yeah we all want it and only a few get the opportunity but I was lo- one of the lucky ones so you left Verona then was it home farm straight after that yeah home farm were knocking the door for a couple of years and between the jigs and the reels he didn't decide to go across or for whatever reason I'm not sure why Um I think we had three or four years of Rowan and then eventually went across to, to home farm. Just the opportunity to play at a higher level, really, um, in the end. And, yeah, it was a great decision. Really enjoyed the time there. They had a great reputation producing, you know, players and yeah. that down through the years. And we're the, one of the the big boys in, in schoolboy football um, at that time. So, yeah, we had a fantastic team. We won everything. Probably for me, I barely touched the ball from the first <laughs> season or two. Um, so, all the other lads were getting recognition and I, and I wasn't. But, uh, no, it was great in the end and great, great uh, management there as well. 
is that now correct me if I'm wrong is that the team that played the Barcelona um, or am I mixing I might be mixing this up completely was there a youth tournament or something that you just know, got, or? it wasn't it wasn't Barcelona I don't think uh, that we would have played but we would have we would have gone across to the UK on a number of occasions we had a link up at Leeds United and we would have went over there and beat them we would have you know beat other English teams and that um, nine of my team went across to the UK in the end uh, between Celtics, uh, Ipswich, and uh, Burnley, so we did well. And you know, there's someone else who, who had decent careers. I think nearly half the lads would have made decent careers out of the game, which is unusual. Um, so yeah, we were quite successful. But that's an all right nine yeah, for nine yeah. lads to go across from one age group is yeah, is a lot. Yeah, yeah. it just shows how strong we were, I suppose, because <laughs> um, we had lads coming up from the country in that plane, and you know, Kerry, Dermot O'Carroll who went to Celtic and that. Mm. Um, he would have come up. Uh, Martin Riley, Cavan, he's a Cavan senior yeah, footballer yeah. now. He's yeah one of their yeah, most decorated players now. He would have went to Burnley. Um, so yeah, it just shows you that's the way the game was then. Obviously, things were different, structures were different back yeah. then. So to get the quality, you had to come to Dublin really mm. to, to get noticed I suppose a lot of times so that's why we, we had so many players from outside Dublin So when you eventually did get the nod to go over um, to Ipswich what age were you 15? I was just gone 15 when I actually went across yeah Had you done your junior cert? I just completed my junior cert in right. uh, June and went across in July yeah So what, what was that like as a 15 year old going over I can imagine that's intimidating in some ways it must have been very exciting but it had to have been yeah, yeah, you're a little bit nervous. It's you're going into surroundings you don't really know. You're not mm. sure. It's it's like before you were going over for a week, you know, here or there, and now you're this is it. You're this is the rest of your life, hopefully, mm. and you're not really quite sure how it's how it's going to go. The day to days of it, you know, the weekends. Then like you wouldn't really be there weekends when you were going on trial or that. You'd be there Monday to Friday, kind of. You're out so. Or how does the weekend work you know yeah. how do the, the digs actually work when you're living with a family and there's other lads there that are um, in the academy and stuff so yeah that is a little bit daunting I suppose but like I was going to play and become a professional footballer and I was in the best environment and I couldn't wait to get going um, I knew the club trusted the people there my family trusted the people there it was the best club I could have gone to I had other options as well but um, Ipswich were the ones I felt could really develop me and I could get opportunities to, to play first team football and become a professional So yeah uh, and so over the couple of years then I know he's, he's won the FAU Cup. Yeah. Like that must have been a, a very special moment for you. I'd say that's a that's no mean feat. For no, him. not for a club like us as well. You know, when you're competing against the likes of the Arsenal's, Liverpool's, you know, United's, um, like we were in, we were a Championship club as such. Um, but we had a little bit of luck along the way, and we developed a good bond, the group as well, which was nice. And yeah, we. Um, we beat the superstars in the final at the time with Southampton and you look where a lot of those players have gone on to and mm. the money they've gone for as well it's it's incredible and none of our lads really got to that level that the likes of Alana or Gareth Bale or who else was in there um, Nathan Dyer or Walcott you yeah. know got to really unfortunately and the club didn't really see too much of a bounce from getting into the first team I suppose there was a handful of that maybe got in and sporadically kind of got a few games here or there one or two kind of did quite well on Garvin made a lot of appearances yeah. but um, yeah it was disappointing from that point of view looking back on it that more of us didn't really break through and establish ourselves because the fans love to see their own come through and play for the club but it was just the way it was 
Yeah, and as you said there, like even thinking of some of them names, like <laughs> sure, I think you won in 2005. Tia Walker was in the World Cup squad was, the following yeah, year. Yeah, like, yeah. So that's that kind of is the level of player that you were you were talking yeah, about playing against. So that's it. Yeah, no, it was great though. You know, to play against these lads, and you know, you're looking back and you can always say, you know, you played against them, you beat them in the final. And yeah. I remember Walcott in tears after the game. We met him at the hotel the next day. Lovely fella and his dad and that. Um, but like, yeah, he was the big one, the, the superstar at the time, even then. Yeah, you know? yeah, and so. As you said then, obviously, over the next couple of years, getting into the first team wasn't, like, maybe didn't go as swimmingly as you probably would have hoped. Mm -hmm. um, you, you went down on loan a few times, so I'm nearly sure. You, yeah. you were getting experience at first team football, is that mm -hmm. correct? Maybe in, like, Scotland and yeah, lower yeah. divisions and that. So, like, was that, when you were going out on loan, like, initially, was there optimism around? Obviously, the age you were at, you were, what, probably 17, 18. It was still still young. Yeah. still quite young. Um, yeah. Well, I suppose for me, I broke into the first team in Ipswich initially at, at 18 years of age in terms of playing. I would have been around at probably 16 years of age on a regular basis. And um, I was lucky enough because we had gone through... Um, we went into the administration and that the money wasn't flying around the place they had to give young lads a chance and I they got a lot of exposure to the first team which was great had a manager there that trusted young players and I got the opportunity to be around the first team at you know really around 17 on the bench every day with the first team traveling and stuff like that so that was great and then at 18 years of age I made my debut um, in 2000 five I think it was the year after the U Cup the next season after the U Cup away to Leicester played the next game at home to Sheffield Wednesday the keeper got injured in that Leicester game and then that was around October November time I think and then come the, just after Christmas I managed to get back into the team again the, the first choice keeper got injured I managed to hold my place till the end of the year mm. manager left new manager came in I started the season as first choice played three or four games results didn't go that well I was dropped and kind of played maybe 10, 12 games during that season. And that's when I started to look to go out alone. Right. You know, and just to see, get games, obviously, and just to see where things different elsewhere in other clubs. So I went to Scotland initially and up to Falkirk. I had six months there. really enjoyed the time there. Um, different uh, different environment. And then the following year, same similar situation happened. I wasn't really getting in and wanted to go out alone. My old manager, Joe Royal, was at Oldham. He came back and asked me, you know, after mm. the club, could I come out and loan? Had, you know, four or five months with him, in, enjoyed it, but, you know, I was at the stage where I was kind of going, I need to, I think I need to do something here. I'm not really enjoying the game as much, right. or the people, or the environment, um, as much as I thought I, I, I'd, I'd hoped to, or I wanted to, or I needed to really. So, yeah, that's, it was around 2008, nine. things started to, to really change, but there was stuff in the background before that as well, I'd seen that, that started to kind of make me question. Was it the environment and and the culture I wanted to be around? So, um, but it just take, took me a bit of time to get to that final decision. Yeah, and what, when you did eventually come to that decision, um, and you did decide to to walk away from the game, like was that? You know, I I, I think I mentioned this to you on the phone when I chatted to you, like from the outset. And I remember you coming home. I remember you being around the school, and <laughs> I was. Uh, I remember thinking, like, I was like, how how can that fella walk away from professional football? Like, and that's mm -hmm. obviously just looking at it from course, a, yeah, a yeah. 16 year old's yeah. head but was there when you look even look back or at the time was there any sort of like resentment or disappointment in how football had turned out not not for you personally but just 
maybe when you went over you you thought it was going to be different and it turned out to just not be what you were hyping not hyping it up but what you thought it would be yeah it's very disappointing you know when you're a young lad and you're still learning and kind of discovering a lot about yourself and you know what you want out of life and that and um, I was lucky enough I did kind of trust myself to and backed myself to make that decision because everyone was saying well, not everyone but a lot of people were saying you're mad now I didn't speak to too many people but it's, uh, after that obviously um, there was only a couple of people close to me that I spoke to about how I was feeling and you know what I was thinking of the own and listen you're giving up um, a lot of financial security in that mm. um, in a way um, so that's a big one it's, it's it's not a job like I never saw it as a job you know yeah. and so um, you're giving you're giving that up but I just felt if you're not enjoying it um, and you like I was going to be there for the next 15 years and could end up staying in the UK for the rest of my life um, I didn't want to I didn't feel I needed or I, I could stay around that environment. It just was unhealthy mm. for me. Um, looking back now, I'm able to say that better or describe it maybe a little bit better than I did at the time. I loved the game. I loved playing in goal. I just wasn't around the right people or the type of people I wanted to be around. Um, and it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. But it, it was devastating at the time to realise that, I suppose, that yeah. this is actually not what you thought it would be. And... You know, people don't really give a shit. Mm. Um, they don't care about you. They don't want to do what's right for the team. They're only looking after themselves. Right. And that's not how I was brought up or, you know, the environment that I wanted to be in. It was about the team and doing what's best for the team. And, yeah, listen, you want to achieve personally as well, but you want to do it within the team. And that's, that's personally what I wanted. And just there was too many Mayfainers for me over there and... I, I said I had to I have to get out, and at 22 I finally pulled the trigger, and th- that was it. I was I was gone, and never really looked back. Yeah. Um, listen, there was obviously difficult times, and that coming home, and what you're going to do when you're coming home in the height of a recession. Mm. But I believed that I would figure it out, and things would work out. Um, in the end, so um, no, it was it was a, a big decision, but a, one of the best ones I've ever made. That's like to be fair for a 22 year old to be making a call like that is like I find that quite impressive because I just know from myself personally there's no way I'd be able to do that but I suppose as when you just listening to you there when you weigh it up like it's you know you're talking as you said potentially another 15 years you know that's I know that there probably is people who would have stuck with it and just yeah. even if they weren't enjoying it it's just maybe too afraid to walk away from something they don't know anything else they don't know they don't have mm. maybe any other career ideas or what to do outside yeah. of football so it's as I said it was brave and as you said in the height of recession it's not like you were coming home to a country that was booming you know and uh, <laughs> it, you had plenty of options or that um, and that's kind of the next point that I wanted to ask you, you come home then right so you're yeah. back you're back in Dublin at 22 in 2009 yeah. right where you did you when you initially got home you, you must have been a case like say a lot of your mates had finished school they were probably in yeah, college yeah. work and you know or studying doing whatever like did you feel a bit lost kind of there initially or did you I, like as I said I know you've yeah. you're backing yourself and you, you're very confident in your, in your mm-hmm. own decisions but um, was there a kind of maybe like oh Jesus like what do we do now like where do we go from here yeah um, there was a little bit like I had a plan the plan was to join the guards the plan was to go back to the school back into decos to do me leaving cert again um, and not back in on a day to day basis but I went I did it through my old schools in Declans and a lot of the teachers would have helped me through that um, yeah. I wanted to do to obviously go into the guards so I needed I didn't do my leaving so I needed to get certain grades or qualifications um, through the leaving cert um, so I could apply for that um, but 
the recruitment wasn't opened up for four or five years, four and a half, five years, I think it was in the end, before they opened up recruitment, which again was a great a blessing in disguise because I mean, dad was a guard. Um, I was around that a lot, uh, around people, the guys he would have been with, loved those kind of lads he would have, um, you know, worked with and that, and they would have come over to England a lot as well. And they're just good guys. And I liked the way they spoke about the job, but the job was changing. So right. it's changed massively even more so now. And uh, so that's a, a reason why I'm glad I didn't go in there. Um, because it, it more than likely is a career for, for life. And I think looking at the way that's operating now will be a bit frustrating um, for me. Um, so yeah, after that, from completing the leaving cert, then I kind of got like, well, what do we do now? You know, where do we go? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in working in the Matter Private Hospital initially as a care attendant on the wards in there. And my manager for Bridget's Jerry McEntee got me in in there. Um, and I was in there for about a year and a half doing that. Then I moved into the physio department and as a uh, physio assistant, a lot nicer, cleaner job. <laughs> um, and a very rewarding job as well, as both of them kind of were in the hospital. You know, you're working with patients day in, day out. You're helping them, rehabbing them, getting back up and going again. And it's every day is different. And you have a lot of conversations and yeah, interesting yeah. people you meet. So I did enjoy that, but it wasn't, like, it's not a job for life. It wasn't a road that I was kind of going to go, I'm going to go back and do physiotherapy or anything like that. You know, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and still figuring it out so you're talking two and a half three years then and um, an opportunity to come up to work with a pal of mine James Brogan uh, he's setting up a new company him and his cousin Bernard uh, Legacy and they asked me would I come in and kind of look at the sports side of things maybe as a consultant helping you know players representing players going away um, so I did that did a bit of event management in there um, just again figuring out was it something and it, ultimately it wasn't something in area I wanted to go into you know I had a kind of utopian vision of it like that I'd be able to go and save all these lads and help them and be a part of their careers and that and yeah, as an agent um, it's it's a rootless game as I kind of knew but I thought maybe I could do things differently but you know it's it wasn't you know something that I was going to do long term um, looking back now just because of the nature of that position that you know, industry as well, types of people are involved in it, um, players, parents, other agents, you know, vultures hanging around, people making decisions for the wrong reason, you know, I can only give them my kind of tuppence work, but it's up to them to take it on board or not, more often than not they didn't, they went for the money and, you know, who was kind of throwing more things at them, you know, yeah. all the trappings and... Yeah, so that was kind of hard to influence maybe on that side of things. So it wasn't something that me I was going to do um, long term. So I made a decision to step away from that. Um, I was doing other bits and pieces in kind of college for the first time. I went back and did a diploma in life coaching and that, which was one of the best things I ever did as well. Um, enjoyed that side of things. Um, helped me figure out a little bit of what I was going to do maybe going forward. And around that time, I think it was 2015, I went back playing for Crumley United because um, I was doing I had my own goalkeeping academy I was coaching out there they were good enough to let me use the facility free of charge and the manager Martin Lochran had been on to me um, but I wasn't for budging about going back playing yeah. and anyone that ever approached me because there was a good few down through the years League of Ireland particularly but I wasn't for budging I just I was done with the game but mm. I felt at this point Martin I had to kind of help him out and give him a dig out he said it was only for one game oh, yes. for being, As they always say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> being uh, three quarter of the season I think I ended up playing with him and 
yeah really and just started to enjoy it again and the people that were involved and it, again it was I always loved the game and uh, like loved playing in goal and loved the responsibility of it um, but it was the people like and it's always been the people for me I need to be around like mind the good people and um, I got that at Crumlin and then Bose came knocking and Keith sold it to me and um, I was delighted to go in with them and it turned out to be an unbelievable three years that I had with them um, and just unfortunately it was cut short um, so yeah that kind of got me up to 2019 18 19 I think 18 I finished up with Bose so mm. that's the kind of the path but yeah it was very uncertain for a long time and trying to figure out what am I going to do here like where do I go but I still kept trying and plugging away and doing different things whether it was educationally or you know trying other jobs and yeah, just trying to yeah. figure it out because that's how I felt I had to do that because there's no point sitting no one's just going to bring something to me um, yeah. so yeah and it's things are, are okay now and like say if we even just go back say, to when you when you were first say around 2011 I know you went back playing GAA as well mm, with Bridget's like, yeah. so it seems the vibe that I picked up from you there is kind of that say over the years you kind of maybe learned that although you were for a long time not for budging on the on the football that yeah. you never actually really fell out of love with the game no, it no. was more the, mm. the the people or as you said the the environment that you were in when you were over in England so when you came back to the GAA I'd say that was a bit of a kind of a a good like foundation for your good base just to have something consistent there like you know like every week you, you'd gone from playing professional yeah. sport to coming home to trying to like do your leaving cert so the GAA must have been a good a, a good kind of link for you there yeah just to, and that was something I would have I would have touched base with the guys there before coming back and that you know mm. and I had a certain vision of how that might go it pretty much went exactly as I'd hoped it would Um when I went back down and the group that came in like we had a great 2010 2011 we won a championship and stuff like that and we had some great times and great lads there you know and that was really that was massive that was one of the most enjoyable um, most enjoyable time in terms of my sport sporting career as such yeah um, yeah I'll never forget those kind of years there with the guys there brilliant great great club great people around there and but it was, that was so important for me but I didn't have that because stuff wasn't quite I hadn't figured out it mm. wasn't the other ideas I had or roads that were going to go down weren't weren't open to me but yeah St. Bridget's was a massive part and helped me no end I suppose to um, kind of settle um, yeah. back in and that you know and feel like yeah I was contributing and it was something meaningful like you know that I was missing in the UK when I was playing with the teams over there yeah it's a kind of big sense of like fulfillment there yeah. and like stability that yeah. from when you came back like so and I know then you did there was was there ever the pull of Dublin potentially like as in in your own head like did that ever motivate you coming back to playing guys that there could be a chance of getting getting a yeah, shot at Dublin yeah absolutely and, yeah. and there would have been in 2011 and 2010 that when I went back to Bridget's um, would have been a name to get in the Dublin panel and yeah. try break through there and that you know and um a couple of times I was brought in, didn't quite work out. Uh, 2013 went in again and decided to give it a right crack. Um, obviously knew it was behind one of the, the greatest that's ever played the game. And yeah. 
um, but I still needed to go in and just give it a year and just this to suss it out and see. Uh, I love the unbelievable environment, such a high performance environment, and that's what I what I loved and enjoyed. And great bunch of lads, great management, everything about it. It was brilliant. Great to see. The only thing that was missing was playing. Yeah. Um, only got a couple of games in the league, which I kind of understood and knew that would be the case. Stephen, you know, was was appointed captain that year in 2013, and um, listen, he's been around so long and you know he's one of the best so I, I knew like he's staying around for a long time to come so I was like I'm not I can't stay around and sit around you know and just be part yeah. of that I need to play games like um, and that's what I always wanted to do was to play games I was never just happy to sit around and you know take the gear or the money or whatever it might be um, so I told Jim Gavin I was going to just go back to the club and concentrate on the, on the club and I kind of said I had work commitments and stuff like that but it was more so I just I couldn't sit around like yeah. um, in the end and I think he knew that you know deep down that was the, that was the case so I um, went back to Bridgets and they got the best of, of me and, and my time um, which you know I, I could give to them and hopefully contribute to, to bringing the standards up and the levels up there and um, yeah, it was it was a great few years there, but obviously then the football, the soccer came back around, and I kind of had to step away from that. Although I was doing both at one stage, yeah, it wasn't and looking obviously where I am now and <laughs> retired with the injuries. <laughs> it probably wasn't ideal. So, um, but uh, yeah, it were great times. And say, so, you know, when you went back to Crumlin, as we said then, and I know that Martin was it Martin, Martin Lockering, yeah, yeah, said to you like, oh, just tug out for a game and sort yeah. of or whatever. Like, was there? I know you, you did do the game, but initially, as you said, he sold it to you. Like that was that what was different is just his his attitude. The people were great. Like compared to when you, because as you said, you were up until that stage. Like that's yeah. six seven years where you're just like absolutely. I know. Yeah, yeah, it is mad. I think like you're out of the game for six years or whatever it was, and then you can come back and kind of seamlessly slap slap back in. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew I knew the because the lads would train up beside us and that, and I would have jumped in the odd time to do mm -hmm. some shooting with them or that, you know, or whatever. So I kind of knew the guys, and but it was only well, it only wasn't one game. Maybe it was always going to be just to the end of the season because the the GA season would start back up then in January again. I said that's it, I'm done. And then Martin comes around to me and says, "What can you do? Do you think you can stay on?" I said, "I think I actually can do both." Mm. So he goes, "Listen, you just have to play the games." Right. So yeah. I was saying, "That's grand. I'll, I'll do that. Like I'll try to get up training as much as I can. But um, if you're happy to do that, I, I'd love to stay on." So. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. But again, yeah, going back, it was Martin um, and the environment he created in Crumlin, and as well as the the players and that that were there. You know, and we had a, a decent year. Just missed out in the league in the last game of the season by a point, I think it was, and we got to the Aviva and beat uh, Kenny yeah. Rovers yeah. in the Intermediate Cup final. So that was great, like you know, and they were good times. And it's it just oh, no, I'm not 100 percent familiar with the with the levels in football. I think is that. As you said, is intermediate? Is that the level, or is it kind of like is the intermediate? That... Yeah, yeah. It's slightly just below, kind of like at the first division, you're looking at intermediate level as the next right. level in Ireland as such. Okay. You know, yeah. a lot of these guys would probably be capable of playing at League of Ireland standard, but for right. whatever reason, commitments were commitments. They they can commit, you yeah. know, um, to it. But a lot of them would be, you know, it is a strong level. To so, be fair, yeah. yeah, that's what it was like. Is it say, is it? semi-pro is, is there any professional element to it or is it no just, not really no I'd have yeah. to train twice a week probably and play the game on the weekend yeah. and that, that would be it like that really it. so that's all they can give in terms of commitment that's all that would be expected of them but you know a lot of them are lads that maybe have dropped out of the League of Ireland after the time because they have to focus on their career and they can't give yeah. the time or go full time you know because mm -hmm. the money is not substantial enough to justify sacking off their, their real job as such yeah, so yeah, um, yeah that's that's the level it's at I said they, they would we went to beat uh, Finn Harps in the first 
first round of the FAI Cup Open Finn Harps because we qualified through you know, winning the Intermediate Cup and that you know yeah. so like you can you could do that like they wouldn't be able to consistently play at that level because they're not conditioned to you know yeah. but they would obviously compete in a one-off game or you know a couple of games they'd yeah, be able to yeah. compete so that, that's unreal it's just like what, what I kind of pick up from you there is like say even as well that nearly if you take the, the money side of it out of it you get a lot more maybe it's genuine the right word so I don't know yeah yeah no absolutely that's the beauty about the GA I think yeah uh, to an extent that you know if they have ever lost that they'd be in a, a sticky wicket I think um, because it is, it is important it's it's a different environment a different atmosphere when you have that you know and their lads are genuinely there for because they want to be there you know yeah. whereas lads yeah they might want to be at that club because they're going to be potentially be successful but they're also paying them more money than or 50 euro more than the club next door like you know yeah. so um yeah it is it's it's a nicer environment at times um and that's what I loved about the guy as well because they're lads you would have grown up with in that you know and you can you know they have your back um a lot of the time yeah. um and you trust them because that those relationships have been developed over years and years and you're all of a sudden you're in a, a senior setup with them and um you know they're your best mates and you know you do everything with them or you go drinking after games yeah, with yeah. them they're coming to weddings and all that kind of stuff so that's the beauty of the ga that's yeah and as you said it kind of takes the ulterior motive maybe out of it it's just yeah. we're there because we love playing yeah, and this yeah, is what yeah. we want to do so no that's 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 unreal just yeah. like kind of i i didn't realize even say i i I never really thought about that in depth because I've, I've never been like up at a level where there's money maybe is swinging heads or yeah, like, yeah. impacting decisions. So it is, it's kind of great to get firsthand, yeah, yeah. <laughs> firsthand experience <laughs> of that. So I want to then just talk about now when you've retired the second time, right? Which was a physical, more so a physical yeah. decision than a mental decision in that sense, right? Yeah. Um, where, like when you did retire then, fair to say you were maybe a lot happier with the decision. No, I know you probably didn't want it yeah. because of your, like you probably wanted to continue, but there was a lot more maybe as I said fulfillment satisfaction in yourself kind of that I really enjoyed these last couple of years playing sport like playing football playing with bows um, it wasn't a case where you were like I need to walk away from this it was just unfortunately it was forced upon you yeah. because, because of the injuries so that it must have been it, that's 2018 2019 a lot different to 10 years previous yeah, well, as you're a lot older, you're a lot more experienced, you know, a lot more about yourself and the world, I think, as well, and it helps. Um, I had a bit more of a plan as well, um, yeah. I suppose, in terms of what was coming after football, particularly playing here, mm. you can't just rest on your on your laurels and think that, you know, you're going to have enough money made in the League of Ireland to, to relax and, and uh, not do anything. You need to plan, you need to have um, sort of some sort of an idea what you're going to do. So I did, I did have that plan. I was putting, you know, certain... And things in motion um, over the, the three years with Bose, mm. you know, upskilling in different areas, you know, speaking to people, you know, going into companies and using the network that I had to get yeah. doors open just to have conversations with people and figure out is this an environment I'd like to work in? Is this an industry or all I'd like? Um, would have loved to stay in football and sport if possible, but in this country, unfortunately, it's difficult. There's not that professional the environment there is a professional environment I suppose but there's not the financial um, security maybe around it and right. obviously we look at what's gone on in the FAI down through the yeah. years and that as well like I don't know that's an environment I'd be comfortable working in or you know um, enjoy going in day to day with the types of people maybe that have been in there so yeah it was a lot easier in that sense although I didn't want to retire um, it was it, other doors opened for me and um, 
other things were happening and started to happen um, that probably wouldn't have been able to happen if I was still playing the yeah. game you know in terms of getting a house and a mortgage and stuff like that um, which at that time was you know is looking at doing so um, but yeah I didn't want to I didn't want to leave Bowes really um, still involved now which is great in the coaching side of things yeah. um, but I think what made retiring about retirements and other things you know easier to walk away from the game is I, I always knew that I gave everything when I when I was there mm. I had no regrets you know about oh, I wish I had given more that year or I wish I had done this or, or that and um, I made that decision like I feel I always made decisions the right decisions for the right reasons and I always gave you know everything when I trained didn't waste a session um, I think that helps you know when you're retiring and look at lads maybe retiring and have retired and the frustrations maybe that they're feeling and you know yeah. it's the game is taken away from you like but I wonder is there other things you know did you really um, achieve all that you could did you get every last ounce out of yourself and I feel I did with me yeah. um, so that makes things a lot easier to kind of you know move on from it because you have to move on yeah. um, otherwise you're just going to stay still and you're never going to you know develop or grow or you know doors are not going to open for you if you're kind of always wishing and stuck and you know yeah exactly yeah. so yeah that was a, a big thing now for me that I've realised over the last few years like looking back that, that that's actually what probably why I feel I'm very comfortable you know that you know what I did and um, in the with the opportunities I had yeah and that's like as I said what when we've been chatting here through like there's a great kind of like aura like of, of confidence about you say in your decision making um as you said, you're confident that you went out throughout the years playing football and in sport that you were like, you always gave 100%, you know, you weren't going to let any opportunity mm. slide. Even I find just listening to you saying that you went into, say, different jobs, you tried different things, like you were prepared to try different things and if it didn't work out, it's like you weren't stuck in the mindset of like, oh, Jesus, like I, I must be a failure or I must, I'm bad yeah. at like everything, I can't get anything right. It's like you were prepared to try it out, see how it went right not for me not really yeah. feeling it onto the next one like it's because you, you see it all the time Shane that like there's so many people who get stuck in yeah. either they go into a job they're not really fond of the environment but maybe they don't have the courage to believe or the self-belief to believe mm. or they even if it's the job is killing them and they're not happy at all mm. there's security there and that that outweighs everything you know and yeah, you yeah. know I, I would be of the opinion like yourself that security plays its part but if you're miserable I don't think it's worth it you know that that's just yeah yeah would be my and I think a lot of people need to hear that because it's very common and as you said that like to to just get stuck and then maybe when it does wrap up be it like a professional career like in sport or business or anything they look back and they kind of are like oh, I wish yeah, I wish I had no. done that I wish I bit the bullet and went for this I, I wish I wish I wish and mm. it's I don't think it's a headspace I ever want to end up in is looking back being like did I really kind of yeah. give it my all and so as I said I think I think a lot of people will take will take an awful lot from, from what you're saying about that because it would give a bit of inspiration maybe a bit of encouragement to just be like well like look as you said you came home you gave up like professional football mm. you came home and you just started from scratch again tried various different things and it's worked out for you now yeah. like it's it may take 10 years yeah. it might have only taken 3 for some people it might That's take 20 it, yeah, for others yeah, yeah, but yeah. like just even listening to you as I said that it took you 10 years and now you're at a very comfortable place with yourself you know you're yeah. quite happy you're quite self-assured you can you can pick that up from you straight away and 
now like going forward where, from where you are now I, I, as we, we spoke on the way up you're, you're working in recruitment now mm-hmm. you're training mead is that right training with me yeah, and yeah, with yeah. both yeah. Yeah. underage or mead. underage yeah both underage kind of academy minor and 20 level like yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. like that must be just a great way to keep sport in without obviously putting your body through the mail <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah there must be great fulfillment out of that too yeah yeah no I love that um, and even more so now I would have like when I was still playing I would have you know done a lot of coaching and um, but I was still kind of focused on my own game as well so it was hard to kind of give everything to it now when I'm not as focused um, I can give a lot more to it um, mm. and I'm more invested in it maybe um, now and I've obviously a lot of experience and I'm look like I enjoy giving that back to yeah. the younger the younger players now and helping them and hopefully understand them what they're going through although it's a different generation now um there's different distractions in that um but I still get it I think and I, yeah I really enjoy that side and kind of helping them not just the technical aspect of the game but the mental side of it particularly for the goalkeepers because that's the most challenging part of our playing in our position is the, the mental side of it and dealing with yeah. setbacks and mistakes and because they're going to happen um but just working with lads and how to manage them and control what they can in those situations it's yeah i'd love to be doing that full time I'd, I'd, you know i tell you but um, it's great to be able to still do it like you know in the capacity i'm doing it um and yeah, I, I love working with lads around that age group as well. Yeah. So it's something that I'm, yeah, hopefully continue to do for a long time to come. Yeah, and, and even you'd said previously that you've done life coaching and that, and I can mm. imagine that that's huge. That maybe say, I know it's becoming a lot more prominent now that yeah. coaches are, there has to be the mental aspect taken into it. Because I don't, I don't know personally, maybe if you went back 20, 25 years, would that have been there to that <laughs> extent? Maybe not, like, Definitely you know, not, would no. it? You might have got a grill in for it. Yeah, yeah, no, be, that's yeah. the thing. Lads are not maybe as tough as they were, but yeah, um, back then, and maybe that's the wrong word to use at times because it is a different world now, different world they've grown up in, and that. Mm. Um, whereas it was all that we maybe knew, and I talk about me and the, maybe the generation I kind of grew up was maybe the last ones to come through that yeah. kind of space where there wasn't the social media distractions or that um, really for us and. He didn't know what was outside apart from, you know, what you saw on telly maybe or that, you know, or mm. he didn't have access to certain things. Um, and it was football, football, football for me and a lot of my mates um, and the guys I played with. But it is challenging for lads now coming through. Would they be able to deal with what we maybe had to go through and even generations before us and a lot of that stuff was coming out in the wash, you know, years later and it wasn't right. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, there's a balance maybe. Um, to be struck there um, because I do fear for some of the generations coming through that they maybe don't have the, the mental strength or the coping skills maybe that's yeah. probably what a better word to say um, describe it to, to, yeah, to deal with what's going on out there you know and mm. they don't maybe have the right people to help them and to understand those emotions and what they're going through and maybe how to deal with them better so that yeah. they can be successful and learn and develop and that how to speak to people you yeah, know it's very um, digitalized isn't it this world yeah, yeah it is and that's yeah. that's what you're yeah. missing and more so even now with covid and that what a lot of the guys have gone through so it, it's yeah. tricky and there's probably a lot more stuff going to come out of this down the line um, and issues and that that's that have gone on out there unfortunately um that are not being addressed and not being considered even so mm. um yeah it's, it's doing the best to you know what you can you know what group obviously i'm working with or that and kind of 
keeping an eye on things with there and keeping checking in with them and that you know and trying to help them to, to manage and deal with stuff because it's just yeah there's lots of distractions nowadays and lots of pressures and mm. for them to deal with probably more so than, than yeah. our time yeah and it's well that's why I kind of even think like getting somebody like yourself in here you're in that environment yeah but like even just chatting about this openly is kind of I, I think that just does wonders for people because you touched on it there with COVID like and you can see it now people are very I think even angsty about going back to normal life yeah, like yeah. they're not even doing anything that they weren't doing beforehand even just going out and meeting people <laughs> or seeing people or trying to interact with people is bringing up maybe difficult feelings difficult emotions and to be to kind of bring it openness around that kind of saying that like, like the difficulties are there but to like as you said the coping or the people that can help you with the right coping skills you know to manage your emotions mm. the help is out there and that it is available and that people are willing to help is just exactly what I'm trying to get across with this whole yeah. thing you know and that like it's it's very important because I'd be, I'd be very much in agreement as well with you that I think even like I'm I'm early 90s and even if I go yeah. five six years down the line after me completely different yeah. generations of me like you know just when they say digitalization social media like people don't talk to each other in person they, yeah no they I think the screens like yeah, you know what I think as well like parents have a lot to to do with it probably mm. um I would have been around my parents a lot as a kid you know they were always kind of there mm. um whether my dad would bring me to football more often than not but they were always there around you and I just think and seeing some of it over the time and being involved with teams that maybe parents aren't as there for them like they're there and probably there in the wrong way mm. um they're not around they're not interacting with them as much as they should be or could be um, yeah. everyone seems to be so busy this is again pre-covid probably you know working and all that kind of crazy traveling to work you know pressures of work um that the kids are kind of left you know left with their iPads or whatever or their phones or left in their rooms yeah it's maybe not as safe to be out and about anymore as it was when you know I was younger and that in the streets mm. where you lived on the streets and that and you can learn an awful lot out there as well so it's different mm. it's different environments and we have to be wary of that and consider that as well yeah um, when you're kind of dealing with younger people nowadays as well because they are going through things that are difficult for them to kind of process um as well so yeah it's that's a that's a, a body of work that's probably gonna need to be addressed at some stage and a bit more done to help these you know that generation yeah but like this said it's great to, to hear that you're even you've, you've even got the awareness around that that like as you said most of the lads you're coaching maybe are 15 to 20 mm. roughly around that mm. age like that you know that that's going to be there and you're aware of it and that like keeping an eye out for it if there is people that need help yeah. so now that's like kudos to you as mm. I said because it's brilliant to hear people who are getting involved and you probably are right there's probably going to be have to be maybe a lot more uh, attention put on that kind of thing um, so Shane look as I said I've I've really enjoyed chatting to you I was going to I had another point here to maybe say <laughs> is there any 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 advice or anything you can give but I've, I think you've given <laughs> you've given a fair few good points there you know like just even as I said around decision making trusting your own gut you know not being afraid to try different things in life like you know what i mean to find like in order to get what's right for you um and even as you said they're touching there on managing emotions and different kind of stresses in mm. life that maybe weren't around in your day um and the importance of that is just great as i said like people take a lot from that when they hear yeah. other people talking out publicly about it so and as i said i know people like 
people know you from Bose, they know you're in England, they know you from the GAA world as well. Like, so it's great to have yeah. someone like yourself come in and, and actually chat about that. So, well, one thing I will say that before you finish is like some of them, they weren't easy. Like, it's easy for me to say that, you know, like yeah. my ego did take a bashing, and you have to be prepared for your ego to take a bashing. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're going in, you wear a football or a professional football, you're going in, you don't know what you're talking about into other environments, industries, and you feel like so insecure about it mm. but it's to push through that as well because good things will come by doing that you'll learn an awful lot the other side of it um, so I think and that's probably by playing in goal helped me because you are the clown a lot of the time yeah. um, you make a mistake it's a goal and you look like the Egypt so I think that helped prepare me maybe for life after football as well and those lessons um, yeah. because they are true to the real world as well like there are going to be times where you feel uncomfortable and you know, inadequate or an imposter, but it's to push through that push as through, well, yeah. and you know, better things will come. That's yeah. I'm actually kind of delighted you drew that in. <laughs> that's a one let, kind of letting the ego take the hit, you yeah. know, because I think that's again a lot of people. That's a that's a delicate situation mm -hmm. uh, that maybe people struggle to get through. Is the kind of the ego be like, yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. right, you're always right, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So now again, another like brilliant point. Delighted, delighted that yeah. you chipped in with that <laughs> as the yeah. final the final <laughs> sign off. So. Um, look again Shane as I said really really appreciate you coming in uh, it's been a great chat I've thoroughly enjoyed it um, great info there great great content and look I wish you the best in everything in, in the coaching and work and in life and uh, hopefully chat to you soon again yeah. cheers Peter thanks for that yeah. enjoyed it cheers a big thank you to Shane for taking time out of his hectic schedule to jump on the podcast and have a chat with me today a very enjoyable conversation and one I certainly took a lot from as I'm sure others will do also that's the end of today's episode, but I'll be back soon, as usual, with another episode of Let Your Guard Down.